the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Elon Musk has suspended Kanye West on Twitter. And there are some on the conservative side saying Elon Musk should not have done that. Musk's last straw was Kanye West's posting of a swastika inside of a Jewish star of David. For further context, see Kanye West's interview on Alex Jones's show yesterday, where Kanye, sounding even more unrestrained than Louis Farrakhan, said such things as, I like Hitler. There's a lot of things that I love about Hitler. A lot of things. Close quote, doubling down. This would be the same interview where Kanye West blamed the Israelis for killing John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy. Those who are on our side of the political spectrum who are criticizing Musk are criticizing him for a subjective standard of his own making and his own fallacy. His fallacy that I knew would one day get him in trouble like this was that all speech was the same and should be protected the same way. No constraints, let her rip, no judgments, no sanctions, no standards. The, philosoph- the philosophical word for this is relativism. And until a day or so ago, it seems, most conservatives opposed relativism and believed in standards of judgment. The idea that we cannot judge anyone or anything is a liberal left-wing notion. It didn't used to be a conservative notion, unless you were a libertarian. But even libertarians are a mix of subjectivity and objectivity. Just see how they twist themselves around on issues of immigration, for example. In a crude way, the errant thinking boils down to this. Because we should not censor Jordan Peterson, we cannot censor Kanye West. Because we must allow the great Barrington folks, we cannot censor David Duke. This is a surrender. And now, because he bought into it, Elon Musk has opened himself up for certain criticism, all for really doing the right thing. He may have done the right thing for the wrong reason or for a fallacious reason, but he set himself up for this criticism. Let us review a bit. In the 20-teens, the sole truth the relativists believed in, it est, is that there can be no truth. Converted it, then, they did, into something like there can only be one absolute truth, anything emanating from the perspective of the left, the woke, the Democrats. Call it what you like. But the concomitant enforcement was even stronger. Anything conservative or considered conservative or in the way of the progressive agenda will not be tolerated because it is intolerant in their dictionary and thus absolutely subject not only to fierce denunciation but censorship. We've called it here the opinion principle hierarchy. But if we are looking at the issue of freedom of speech, we've somehow or too many have somehow all joined the ranks of relativism. I usually try and start the discussion with what happened 
by talking about Skokie, Illinois in the 1970s. Skokie was the crucible and test in the 70s and 80s for political free speech, and almost everybody but a handful in our country got it wrong. It has, in basic summary, to do with the Nazis' right to march in Skokie, which was a community heavily populated by Holocaust survivors. The liberal notion then was that, of course, Nazis had the right to march. George Will, William Buckley, Walter Burns, Hadley Arks, and just a few others on our side said, no, Nazis do not have that right. The ACLU and the left were all about protecting any form of expression once upon a time, even expression that would render us under our Republican form of government. The left, you see, used to love the idea that ideas should compete and whatever gets more support defines the democratic landscape, irrespective of what idea results. Well, no, we said, or some of us said and still say. Look at the fount of all this, the U.S. Constitution. The Constitution guarantees a Republican form of government, after all. In other words, not all politics is equal here, or at least not all political outcomes and ideologies. And since freedom of speech or political speech is designed and protected to further our our politics and political outcomes, not all claims to speech and claims to free speech are the same. Whenever I start with the First Amendment, I start with a statement made by an appointee to the Supreme Court named Frank Murphy and something he wrote in what is known as the Cheplinsky case. This has long been forgotten by many, not used a whole lot, but never overturned. And many of us trained either by Leo Strauss and his students still refer to it a lot. Murphy wrote this, quote, Allowing the broadest scope to the language and purpose of the 14th Amendment embracing the First Amendment, it is well understood that the right of free speech is not absolute at all times and under all circumstances. There are certain well-defined and narrowly limited classes of speech, the prevention and punishment of which has never been thought to raise any constitutional problem. These include the lewd and obscene, the profane, the libelous, and the insulting or fighting words, those which by their very utterance inflict injury or tend to incite an immediate breach of the peace. It has been well observed that such utterances are no essential part of any exposition of ideas and are of such slight social value as a step to truth that any benefit that may derive from them is clearly outweighed by the social interest in order and morality. Resort to epithets or personal abuse is not in any proper sense communication of information or opinion safeguarded by the Constitution, and its punishment as a criminal act would raise no question under that instrument. Close quote. Why does he say this? Well, We have to understand the purpose of the First Amendment, and this, I think, has been forgotten by almost everyone on the Supreme Court, with the exception of Samuel Alito. He gets it. That's why he was the lone dissent, saying the Westboro Baptist Church protesters did not have a right to protest outside and near the funerals of fallen veterans and soldiers. In that case, he wrote, quote, Our profound national commitment to free and open debate is not a license for vicious verbal assault, close quote. He went on, no protection of speech should be, excuse me, no protection of speech should guard the launching 
vicious verbal attacks that make no contribution to public debate, close quote. Work with me and Alito on this for a moment. It's a teachable moment, or should be. We think about the First Amendment as embodying our civil liberties, right? But as Harry Jaffa reminds, civil liberties are liberties for and of men in civil society. As our Constitution puts it squarely in Article 4, Section 4, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a republican form of government. Don't forget that. This is key. Our country is not, our founding is not neutral on what kind of government we may have. This is why Walter Burns is right and Oliver Wendell Holmes is wrong. Oliver Wendell Holmes wrote in a case titled Gitlow, quote, Eloquence may set fire to reason, but if in the long run the beliefs expressed in proletarian dictatorship are destined to be accepted by the dominant forces of the community, the only meaning of free speech is that they should be given their chance and have their way, close quote. Well, is that what the founders intended? A constitution yielding to a proletarian dictatorship and country where all men are not equal? Of course not. And that's why I provided you Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution above. Abraham Lincoln put it thusly in his 1861 message to Congress, quote, Must a government of necessity be too strong for the liberties of its own people? or too weak to maintain its own existence, close quote. The asking of the question is the answering of it. Our Constitution is not a suicide pact. So the point of the First Amendment, like the whole of the Constitution, must ask, mustn't it? What is the point of free peoples and a free government? As Jaffa puts it, quote, free government rests upon the consent or opinion of the governed. Law is an expression of opinion. And the opinion upon which the law rests is more fundamental than the law itself. The men who founded our system of government were simply not moral or political relativists. Free speech, he went on, is a priceless and indispensable attribute of a free society because it is a necessary means for deliberating upon public policy. But this deliberation does not extend to everything. Above all, it does not extend to the question of whether the community shall exchange its freedom for slavery. Certain ends are fixed, and their fixity is the condition of mutability in other respects. The government may deliberate on how to secure the rights to life and to liberty of all. It may never deliberate on whether they shall be secured. Certain proposals can never be entertained by a civilized community." Close quote. So this is why I, and really I think only a few of us, object when someone says something like, of course the Nazis have the right to march in Skokie, Illinois, or Charlottesville, Virginia. Of course David Duke has a right to march. Of course the communists do. Really? George Will, another legatee of Leo Strauss's, sort of put it this way in summarizing Walter Burns's position on this very matter. Liberals quote Oliver Wendell Holmes a lot. One of his maxims is, quote, the best test of truth is the power of the thought to get itself accepted into the competition of the market, close quote. Liberalism is a philosophy that yields the essential task of philosophy, distinguishing truth from error, to the marketplace, which measures preferences or popularity, not truth. 
So liberalism says all ideas have an equal right to compete in the market. But the right to compete implies the right to win. So the logic of liberalism is that it is better to be ruled by Nazis than to restrict them. Liberalism seems to believe that all speech, any clash between any ideas, necessarily contributes to the political ends of the First Amendment. But it must believe that the amendment was not intended to promote particular political ends, that there is no connection between the rationale for free speech and the particular purposes of Republican government. Walter Burns argues that the First Amendment is part of a political document. There are political purposes for protecting speech, and some speech is incompatible with those purposes. The purpose of the Constitution is to establish a government faithful to the self-evident truths of the Declaration of Independence. Holmes said the Constitution was written for people of, quote, fundamentally differing views, close quote. That is an absurd idea and is an absurd idea about any constitutional community, and is especially absurd about this one. The founders thought rational purpose, excuse me, the founders thought rational persons could hardly avoid agreeing about self-evident fundamentals. The founders believed in freedom for all speech that does not injure the health of the self-evidently proper kind of polity that we have, a republic. So the distinction between liberty and license, between permissible and proscribed speech, is implicit in the Constitution's purposes. Hence, restraint can be based on the substance as well as the time, place, and manner of the speech. Burns agrees it is bizarre to say that the Constitution, a document designed to promote particular political ends, asserts the equality of all ideas. There really is no such thing as an amoral Constitution, neutral regarding all possible political outcomes. American Nazis are weak, so ACLU types said at the time in the 70s. Thus, protecting Nazi swastikas and other speech was okay. Liberalism says the pain Nazis cause today is outweighed by the usefulness of this vaunted notion of a clash of ideas. Well, now try communists. Less weak than Nazis here, and whatever pain their legacy of blood and human imprisonment and invasion is that may worry others, including survivors of communism, that pain is to be outweighed by the usefulness of the clash of ideas that might find purchase here in this country? But what ideas? Were the Nazis or communists becoming stronger, the non-censorious would favor protecting Nazi and communist speech because the market, the best test of truth, would be affirming the Nazi truth or the communist truth. Besides, restricting speech is dangerous business. But it is not more dangerous than national confusion about fundamental values. Evidence of such confusion is the idea that restrictions on Nazi or communist taunts and defamations are impermissible because the Constitution's fundamental value is political competition open equally to those who, if they win, would destroy the Constitution and throw people in gulags, or put them in ovens. No, not all speech is equal, and thus neither is all canceling. If we can't distinguish between Jordan Peterson and swastikas, we can't distinguish between or among anything. And if we can't distinguish between or among anything, there's really nothing left but Thunderdome. 
and certainly no reason to choose a Republican over a Democrat or any ability to explain why conservative policies are or may be better, a value-laden word, by the way, than liberal or left-wing or Marxist policies or mutatis mutandis, liberal better than conservative policies. Now, there's an important thing going on here that must be acknowledged as well. This has not typically been a problem for conservatives. It is a problem for liberals and leftists. To wit, as Professor Wilford Riley put it today, here's a useful test of who really backs crazy and evil ideologies. Ask a smart conservative or right-winger you know, chat or debate with, to condemn Hitler or Mussolini. You won't have resistance. Then ask a smart left-winger you may know or argue and chat and debate with to condemn Lenin, Stalin, or Che Guevara. You will have a lot of resistance. Final thought. I recall when Don, excuse me, I recall when Don Imus was suspended for calling a woman's college basketball team a bunch of things I can't say. But it was an awful reference and series of references to their black heritage, their race and appearances. I remember asking someone you'd all know and respect how we should think about Imus's suspension. Without blinking an eye, he said it was a direct racial verbal assault. Here's how Justice Samuel Alito concluded his dissent in the Westboro Baptist case, a case where protesters at a military funeral were verbally and with signs protesting mourners from 1,000 feet away because the protesters disagreed with the war in which those soldiers fought. Samuel Alito closed his dissent this way, quote, In order to have a society in which public issues can be openly and vigorously debated, it is not necessary to allow the brutalization of the innocent. Close quote. He then wrote, I respectfully dissent. I dissent, too, from our conservative friends who think Kanye's suspension was wrong. Maybe someone can get this to Elon Musk so he can find the right rather than the arbitrary and capricious justifications for doing the right thing so he can be doing it for the right reasons. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Turning Point USA is bringing America's biggest freedom party to Phoenix this December 17th through the 20th at the Phoenix Convention Center. America Fest 2022 features the biggest names in the conservative movement, like, of course, Charlie Kirk, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, Kaylee McEnany, and many more. There'll also be nightly concerts featuring music legends Riley Green, Chase Rice, Raya Lynn, and more. Don't miss the largest celebration of our constitutional rights and freedoms in America. You can go to amfest.com, amfest.com, to get your tickets. And if you are a listener to this show, just type in the word patriot when checking out to get 50% off your general admission tickets. However, if you are the next caller here at 602-508-0960, I'll give you a pair. That's two. Of VIP tickets. The VIP tickets include access to the general sessions, of course, VIP lounge access, and a reserved seating area. Two tickets for you to the next caller here at 602-508-0960. And again, if that isn't you, 
and you don't win tickets, you can get them online at amfest.com. Special discount for 960 listeners. Just use the code PATRIOT when checking out. Amfest.com. A lot more coming right up. I am Seth Liebson, and we will be right back. Welcome back. Yes, gold has been used as money for nearly 3,000 years, and it still remains a common-sense investment that's simple and straightforward. You don't need a pushy commission salesperson to tell you why you should buy gold. You already want it. All you need is a reputable dealer with advice based on experience and a complete range of bullion and coins so you get what you want at the best value. That's the Midas Gold Group you just heard about. They're veteran-owned and proud supporters of this station, 960 AM, The Patriot. They're fighting not only for your right to speak, but the financial privacy and stability that gold offers. Trust the dealer that I, Sebastian Gorka, and thousands of you already know and trust, and that is the Midas Gold Group. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com or give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or you can even visit them in person at 625 West Deer Valley Road in Phoenix. Great people. Tell them I sent you. Uh, this is just one of the most uh, disturbing and disgusting videos I have seen. Um, speaking of uh, the other side of hate and tyranny, uh, Tim Cook, uh, as many of you know, the CEO of Apple, was walking uh, the halls of Congress yesterday when a Fox Business reporter confronted him and asked him a few questions. I'm not sure if I have the audio uh, able to uh, to be brought up here. We'll give it a shot and see. If not, I'll summarize it for you. Test. Yeah, let me start that again. She's uh, she's the Fox business reporter, and she's asking him a few questions as he's walking. Action to the factory workers that were beaten and detained for protesting COVID lockdowns. Silent walking. Do you regret restricting airdrop access that protesters used to evade surveillance from the Chinese government? Just awful. He's just standing there walking quietly. Let me see if we can get that first question the Chinese people's right to protest? Do you agree with the Chinese people's right to protest? And he then just continues to silently walk, won't answer the question. How hard is it to answer that question? How hard would it be for a CEO of an American company? How hard would it be for any American, really, to answer the question, do you believe in the Chinese people's right to protest? Do you believe in the American people's right to protest? Well, we know the answer to that, obviously, a lot of People, particularly in the Democratic Party and on the liberal left, supported protests even when they were violent. They just characterized them as mostly peaceful so that they could get away with it and substantiate their support for it. What about the Chinese people's right to protest? You know what's interesting about those two things? (laughs) The interesting thing is that the CCP, the people protesting in China, are protesting a Marxist government. The interesting thing about the BLM protests is that they were done under the banner of Marxism, at least by an organization whose founders said they were proud and trained Marxists. Is the only free speech Tim Cook agrees with, the head of Apple, communist speech? Maybe that's the next question he can be asked and not answer. Three very easy questions that someone should be immediately able to answer. Do you agree with the Chinese people's right to protest? What is he afraid of? You know what he's afraid of. 
He's afraid of being scolded by the overlords in China, which is to say the Communist Party in China. That's what he's afraid of. That's what he's afraid of. He's afraid of angering communists. He's not afraid of crushing peaceful dissent. Not at least when it's against communists. This is what John Hinderocker means when he says there really are no American corporations even ever, anymore, even though they are based in America. It's kind of like what I say about our education system when it comes to teaching American history. The one stat you need to know, and the only stat that you probably need to know, is that 50% of our high school seniors graduate high school in this country with an F in American history. Keep in mind, C.S. Lewis said, the more dumb you make your pupils, the easier you will be able to subject them to propaganda. Think about that. Half of our high school seniors at the age of 17 or 18 getting ready to cast their first vote, perhaps join the military, perhaps get their first job, perhaps go off to college or university or junior college. Half of them don't know their history. Why do I say there's an analogy here? Because as much as we speak about illegal aliens and we're right to do so here, it's a big problem. We're also making aliens of our own citizens here with our own education system. We don't really have an American education system any more than we have American companies here anymore. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. If you are concerned with stock market volatility, our friends and sponsors at Y-Refi have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and there's no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. You'll know what each monthly statement will look like. There will be no surprises. Your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. This is a secure, collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. How high? Up to 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10.25%. A due diligence approved firm. You can check Y-Refi out online at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. That's 888-YREFI-34. Local company. You can uh, meet with them and uh, talk to them, and you won't get a sales pitch. They just like talking about what they do and letting it speak for itself. They leave the uh, promotions to people like me and Larry Elder. Yesterday I read you a um, a piece by uh, Victor Davis Hansen on how to destroy America. And it reminded me very much of a broadcast uh, from 1965 of the great Paul Harvey. Um, it was a broadcast titled, If I Were the Devil. I want to play that for you in a moment. But since I always say, because I always mean, the most important voice is yours, Mike is in Carefree and we'll go to him first. Hello, Mike. Hi, Seth. How are you? Hope you're having a great day. I am. Good. I hope you are. Yes. Some of my favorite you know eat- some of my favorite eateries are in Carefree. I'm jealous that you live in Carefree. 
Yes, it's a, it's a wonderful place. Yeah, it like really is. And, you know, I, I almost don't like talking about it because I don't want too many people to discover it. Yes, that's that's really true. Yeah, I'm kind of like, <laughs> where should I go? Go to Carefree, but eh, don't tell anyone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway. Yes, sir. What's on your well, mind? Anyhow, with Tim Cook and Apple, you know, it was not too many years ago that Apple basically gave a list of dissidents who were summarily... Yep. Uh, murdered and uh, taken to prisoner of war camp or, or whatever kind of camps they're called. Yeah, he's kind of done that again with airdrop. Yep, and by just saying, well, because it's business, somehow that's that's okay. And it's like, well, if you unlocked your neighbor's door and, he, and knowing that someone wanted to murder him, you'd be an accessory to murder. And you know, I, I just, I'm sorry, I, I I'm really tired of big tech getting a pass. And saying and talking about gay rights and these rights and those rights, and then having people murdered so that they can continue to make a profit. One of the additional insults, yeah, one of the additional insults, insults into this massive gaping wound that you're talking, that you're bringing up, Mike, is um, that these are companies that love to lecture Americans on human rights. Um, exactly. You know, the worst violator might actually be Nike and Colin Kaepernick um, that make billions of dollars off slave labor and um, efforts in the NBA with basketball training camps in the Shenzhen province that they run and oversee, which is the heart of darkness of concentration camps in China, where they disappear, literally disappear people and put them into retraining camps a la... 1930s Germany and Poland, Mike, and then they they have the um, the gall. That's really what it is. It's a gall to lecture us about uh, you know slavery that ended here uh, almost 160 years ago, while they're taking billions where it exists right now in live and real time. Um, Apple, much the same problem. At some point, is someone gonna say, okay? Um, it's for business, as you put it, or, well, we like our Apple products cheap. Is someone going to say they ain't that cheap, first of all? Well, they they ain't and, that cheap. And, and is someone going to say there is a price we will not pay? There is a point beyond which we're not going to advance? And maybe slavery and racism have, is it? Maybe Maybe that's the price we won't pay for our products? At some point, are we going to have a Nuremberg trial where we say taking orders isn't an excuse yeah. and making money isn't an excuse? That's right. That's right. I am hoping, and I don't know what—you tell me, what's your what's your uh, thought? I mean, the Republican Party's a little better on this than the Democrats, but only a little. What, what are your thoughts that we could have hearings on this with a new Republican Congress? Maybe. Maybe. Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, the, the leader of the Senate for the Republicans, his wife is in bed with the— Chinese system, you know, uh, I, I, I'm really skeptical of the people in power in the in Republican Party. Um, when Trump went actually went after China, you could have heard the, you know, the whining from a great many. Oh yeah, Republicans. As I say, the Republican you know, Party is only a little better at this. Only a little better on this. Yeah, at, yeah. At some point, we we need to, you know, grow a conscience. Yeah, at some point we do, and at some point we need to hold the Tim Cooks accountable. I mean, there's nothing compelling him to speak to a Fox Business reporter in the halls of Congress, 
But there is something that could compel him to speak before a congressional hearings committee. And, um, you know, well, I'm not I haven't I haven't done a good enough job of analyzing where the new Republican leadership is on uh, being uh, to use the parlance of our time in bed with China. Uh, but I suspect that there are some who are willing to expose this and put these guys on the stand and talk about what that price is. Humanity is paying for their billion dollar profits um, and that, that is and, and they're turning over of dissidents to to communist hellholes. That is today's true existential threat, not climate change. I mean, climate change is important, but the existential threat. Is totalitarianism. Do 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 people worry about it, Mike? Here, do you think people have a, um, you think you think people are attuned to it? They have a strong enough conscience about this. The the younger generation has never been taught about totalitarianism and the tyrannies of 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 these types of regimes. They they they've been taught that you know. Uh, Che Guevara was a just a great freedom fighter, and no, that's a know, very good point. That no, no, that's a very good point. If you go to college campuses, uh, any time in the last twenty five years, some of the most prominent posters you see in the dorms, some of the most prominent T shirts, the T shirts are Che Guevara. By the way, someone ought to look at how he thought of homosexuals, and um, and Malcolm X. Yeah, this this is Before what you see. Before he had his conversion. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, that conversion has some problems. I mean, you know, I, yeah. you, you know, the, the guy was still fulminating yeah. some awfully bigoted thoughts just because he left uh, the wing of Elijah Muhammad. Uh, you know, first of all, how long was it between that and his death? We don't know what would have resulted with his ultimate life. But um, and he was still pretty it was, rabid a, it was a, it. Yeah, it was about a year of conversion there. And he was, yeah. I look, I it's it's a sad thing to me, and I think it is a um, a retrograde view of civil rights to have dispensed with Martin Luther King and elevated Malcolm X. Um, it's a sad thing. I saw Kanye West talking about how much he liked Malcolm X. Just it, it explains so much. It explains so much, and it's so sad. But Mike, you're right. We need to stand up and say there is a price we will not pay. I'm Seth Liebson. I'll be right back. Okay, here is the Paul Harvey broadcast from 1965. If I were the devil. If I were the devil. If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population. But I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree. The. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve. Do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington, and then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in 
How to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing. I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Paul Harvey. Good day. Wow. About 60 years ago, every sentence of that, every single one. Did you catch what he said about science, deifying science? Every single one. Don't go away. A lot more coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.